Welcome to Your Health Guide, your how-to prescription for better health, translating cutting-edge research for your everyday life. Join naturopath and health educator Lawrence Katsaris for practical tips and insights to help you on your wellness journey. Hi, I'm Lawrence Katsaris and this is Your Health Guide. We're joined again by clinical psychologist and researcher Dr. Adrian Lepresti to discuss what's really driving mood disorders such as anxiety and depression and how you can address it. Dr. Lepresti discusses five physiological drivers that influence our brain health and ultimately affect our mood, providing us with a great overview of how our health impacts our mood and why we need to address mood disorders holistically. He discusses his research on turmeric and saffron and how he came to studying these herbs and the results of producing clinical studies for depression and anxiety, as well as other foundational nutritional ingredients he uses to help with mood disorders. At the same time, Dr. Lepresti reminds us we can't use a pill for an ill approach and expect that dosing with medications or even natural supplements will fix the problem. But real improvement comes from addressing what caused the problem in the first place, and that will be different in each of us. So please enjoy this information, and I highly recommend that if you haven't already, listen to the other episode with Dr. Lepresti, where he reiterates the importance of lifestyle medicine and long-term change to create lasting improvements in your mood. Well, thank you so much for joining me again, Adrian. No problem at all. We were talking previously about the importance of rounded, holistic dietary and lifestyle interventions and how they are so important for helping to improve uh, our mood and helping with the treatment of mood disorders. You mentioned during that about how not all these are caused by the same factors. And that's what I'd love to talk to you more about now in terms of what are some of the functional aspects that are driving our mood disorders. Um, Probably just to start us off is how do you see that depression and anxiety, they're coming about more than just the neurotransmitter imbalance, which we think uh, as the standard model that we're treating. There's more going on there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. There's um, a lot more going on. Um, you know, there was obviously originally, you know, the, the most popular theory, or more biological theory for depression and anxiety is kind of neurotransmitter disturbances. So uh, your serotonin and your dopamine, and and you know, they've kind of been driven by the the pharmaceutical industry, where you know they have you know, antidepressants that target your um, serotonin and, and dopamine and so forth. Um, so. What we, you know, and a lot of people say, you know, it, it, depression isn't um, associated with kind of serotonin, and they're kind of moving towards saying, no, well, that's they're poo-pooing that completely. But that's not correct. You know, certainly research does show that uh, serotonin and dopamine and other neurotransmitters are important for mood. But what we're also finding is that there's a whole bunch of other physiological processes going on in people with depression that might also be contributing to their mood problems. Um, and one of those is, is or, which is becoming quite popular, is the inflammation side of things. So um, we know that inflammation is actually a big driver of disease, both physical and mental. And what the research shows is that people with depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions have kind of excess levels of a chronic low-grade inflammation. So um, they may not, not the inflammation may not be associated with the pain and the redness and the, and the swelling that's common in kind of your, your, your more acute high-grade inflammation, but it's just this chronic low-grade inflammation. If you measure uh, their blood and you measure um, 
the blood for certain proteins associated with inflammation. On the, you know, as a general rule, um, many people with depression have higher levels of kind of these, these proteins. So we know that inflammation is going on. Um, we also know that if you measure um, free radical damage, uh, and again, you can measure that through blood, for example, um, they have kind of increased levels of free radicals and lower levels of antioxidants. So kind of your, your antioxidant concentrations are lower in their blood. So that, again, um, is, is possibly going on for pe impacting on people's mood. And, and too much free radical damage can have, effect, have a damaging effect on all our organs, including our brain. So, uh, you know, maybe we need to kind of engage in treatments that are um, antioxidant-based treatments. Um, the other one, too, is, uh, you know, our stress hormones. And this one has probably been around for a bit longer, but we do know that people with depression and anxiety um, have kind of either... Most of them kind of have excess levels of cortisol, for example, but uh, there's also a subgroup of people who have kind of lower levels of cortisol. And having, t having our stress hormones is extremely important, but too much or not enough um, can be a problem. So that seems to be going on. Um, the other one is our mitochondria. So our, our mitochondria is our energy, um, is important for producing energy inside our cells. And, and again, if you measure... Um, you do some kind of assessments of people with depression and anxiety, they seem to have these kind of mitochondrial disturbances. So that's affecting, potentially affecting their mood, energy production and so forth. And finally, the other thing is kind of a, a neuroprogression. You know, so we've got a neuro, um, we have kind of proteins in, in our body that help produce new neurons and kind of to help with neuroplasticity. And, uh, and, and what the research is showing is that people... Uh, with with mental health conditions uh, have kind of deficiencies in, in pro important proteins associated with neurogenesis. One of them is called uh, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, and uh, and that can be a, a thing. And all of those, while I've talked about them all separately, they all affect each other. So all of those factors can actually affect our neurotransmitters. So maybe it's inflammation that's causing the low serotonin for somebody, um, and yeah, you're treating the serotonin to improve the mood, but how about if you go more upstream and treat the inflammation? And then as, a, as an effect of that, serotonin just naturally increases. That's perfect. That's such a comprehensive roundup on everything that's taking place. You're saying inflammation, oxidative stress or free radicals, um, excess and chronic high amounts of cortisol, our stress hormone, mitochondria dysfunction and mitochondria being the little engines in our cells that produce the energy and problems in neuroprogression or changes in our neuronal growth factors. And collectively, those, what have we got, three, five different areas will be influencing each other and then also influencing the standard level of, or the standard factor that we know that influences our mood, which is our neurotransmitters. And so you know, we may be working through medications on neurotransmitters, but like you're saying, we could also go more upstream. It could be because of the inflammation or it could be because of the chronic cortisol or it could be because of the mitochondrial dysfunction that's all continually feeding off each other and contri contributing to someone's mood disorder. That's, um, that's fantastic. And I think something that's just worth mentioning is there's a lot of evidence on that as well. Like you mentioned, like the standard understanding of mood disorders is an imbalance in neurotransmitters. But this... The evidence has been accumulating for sort of decades on what you've just talked about, inflammation, 
oxidative stress, cortisol, mitochondria, problems in neuroprogression. There's a lot of foundations to show that that actually is involved in mood disorders as well, isn't there? Yeah, it's, it's not, um, you know, I think it's gone beyond theory now. I think there's, there's plenty of research to support it. Um, and, uh, you know, particularly the area of kind of inflammation, you know, it's, it's numerous, you know, dozens of even, you know, even more, you know, a lot more than that, uh, studies showing that inflammation is, is, a, is a factor uh, in people. And potentially if you reduce inflammation, you know, anti-inflammatory treatments may have antidepressant effects. So uh, that's definitely uh, going on there. So I think there's a good solid base of research now to support this stuff going on for people with mental health conditions. And speaking of research, you've been doing some research of your own. Would you mind talking to us about the research that you've been involved in and how you kind of got into that field of looking at certain herbal ingredients for mood disorders? Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, some years ago, I uh, was looking at some of the research and I was, I was quite interested in the inflammation uh, depression link. And, uh, and what I found interesting was a few studies that actually showed that if you um, give people an antidepressant plus a pharmaceutical anti-inflammatory. Um, there, there was a few studies that showed when you give people the two, they do better than just on the anti-inflammatory on its own. Um, so it's, oh, sorry, just an antidepressant on its own. So it seems as though the combined antidepressant plus anti-inflammatory had a, a, a greater effect than just an antidepressant on its own. But I didn't want to obviously give people a pharmaceutical anti-inflammatory because you know they're associated with side effects and and, and again you're still not treating the cause. Um, but then I also wanted to look at well what is there that's natural that uh, has anti-inflammatory effects and uh, and that's what kind of led me initially to turmeric or curcumin and uh, which is a so curcumin's um, found in in turmeric and and has potent anti-inflammatory and also antioxidant effect. So that's what then led me to look at, well, maybe we need to look at curcumin as as an antidepressant treatment. So I've completed a a few studies now looking at the effects of curcumin on mood, and uh, and they've been really positive. So I've completed uh, double-blind placebo-controlled studies, uh, and if people are unaware of what that means, is half the people go on um, a placebo or fake tablet and half of them go on curcumin, and I don't know which one they've been placed on. They don't know which one's been placed on. And that and then helps us, you know, that kind of makes it the gold standard study. And those studies have shown that people uh, with depression do really can, can benefit from taking uh, a curcumin as an, as an anti-inflammatory or an, an, as, and as an antidepressant. So it improves, uh, reduces depressive symptoms and also seems to have a really positive effect on anxiety symptoms too. And as you said, because it's dealing with a lot of those sort of driving, those functional driving factors, the inflammation, the oxidative stress, also the neuroprogression, and seeming to have a role on those neurotransmitters. Yeah, um, well, I wrote a, a paper some years ago looking at, well, how does um, curcumin potentially work? And, 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 you know, it is an anti-inflammatory, so we know inflammation is an issue. It, it seems to also improve, increase neurotransmitter production, so we know that's an issue. It's, uh, it increases kind of neurogenesis and, 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 and proteins associated with that. It's a, it, it has a positive impact on mitochondria. It reduces our stress hormones. It's an, an antioxidant that targets all those factors that uh, um, can affect people's mood. And hence it's so effective. But when we're talking about turmeric, and just to probably clarify for our listeners, 
we're not talking about that I could add in some turmeric spicing spices to my cooking here. That's not going to be quite sufficient. You're using a specific turmeric extract, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, look, I think people should add herbs and spices to their diet as a general health um, enhancing uh, approach and, and strategy. But uh, in terms of the, the curcumin that we used, uh, we, we used quite high high doses of curcumin. And see, turmeric only contains about 2 to 5% curcumin. So uh, you're going to have to eat... I predict probably about five to eight tablespoons of turmeric a day, which uh, is not going to have a positive effect on your health. So, <laughs> uh, so that's why uh, you know you really need to be delivered in a cur- in in supplement form, and where you just take a high quality curcumin. Now, the other issue with curcumin is that um, it is. Um, not absorbed that well in the body, so so it's really important to try to find a a curcumin extract that is more bioavailable, more bioavailable, and that's where I used a an extract that was more bioavailable uh, in in the studies. Um, you can mix curcumin with kind of black pepper extract, but uh, that's kind of and I still see people talking a lot about that, you know, but there's plenty of other extracts that are far more bioavailable than, the, than having it with a black pepper extract. So the one that I used uh, was, was, um, had research support, it's, it's the bioavailability. Mm. So that was the BCM95 turmeric, wasn't it? And you were using Yeah, that. I wasn't sure whether I could say that, but yeah, certainly <laughs> yeah, the BCM95 okay. is, uh, is the one that I have, uh, have used extensively in, in, the, um, in the studies that I've used. Yeah, and that was looking at the dried herb equivalent of sort of 12.5 to 25 grams a day is what you were using in that, if I'm correct? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And what you're finding is that was helping with mood disorder, that was helping with depressive symptoms, and that was also helping with anxiety as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it had, uh, had uh, you know, those, I mean, it's hard, you know, obviously if, you, if your depressive symptoms improve, your anxiety symptoms are going to improve too, so you're going to feel less stressed too. But, uh, but yeah, it certainly had a, a real positive effect on, on that and, and had, um, had a particularly positive effect on people with what we call kind of atypical um, depression, which despite its name is actually the most typical type of depression. So it's the most common type of depression. And, and uh, people with atypical kind of have a low energy, they have a disturbances in sleep, um, yeah, they are kind of more sensitive to social rejection. Um, so so if, if you're kind of presenting with those symptoms, then um, they, uh, they do exceptionally well on, on curcumin. Fantastic. And then you've also been, you've been studying the turmeric alongside saffron as well, haven't you? And what, what's, the, what's the rationale behind that and how did, how did you find that changed? Well, then that's then what led me into looking at well, what other um, um, potential natural options can target all those different areas that I've mentioned. And saffron, again, had a good body of research where, again, it's an anti-inflammatory, antioxidant. It has some positive effects on kind of neurotrophins and, and, and all those factors and neurotransmitters, and particularly dopamine was one that, that it had a, a positive impact on. Um, so I then uh, looked at... Uh, at the research that was on saffron, I was amazed by the um, you know, the research that was had already been done, um, mostly in Iran, uh, where they had looked at uh, saffron as an antidepressant, but it just seemed to not get the publicity. Um, and uh, there was several studies showing, and I wrote a review paper some years ago, looking at just reviewing all the studies, and there were several placebo-controlled, so it was better than a placebo, but there was also head-to-head studies with your pharmaceutical antidepressants, 
And what those, that research was showing was that uh, saffron was as effective as the pharmaceutical antidepressants for people with mild to moderate depression. Now, and so I've now conducted a couple of studies, or one looking at uh, combined um, saffron and, uh, and curcumin combination, and that was shown to be uh, effective. I've just um, completed a study looking at saffron with uh, teenagers, and um, and that again was really positive results. So we found that so I had uh, teenagers again a double blind placebo controlled study where half of them uh, took uh, the saffron extract and half took the placebo, and uh, and they were teenagers with you kind of your symptoms of anxiety and depression, so self reported symptoms of anxiety and depression, and we found that over an eight week period the saffron had a positive improvement um, on their uh, anxiety levels particularly kind of your social anxiety and separation anxiety, which is a common problem with, um, with teenagers. And it also um, reduced depressive symptoms over the eight-week period. So that was a really promising study. It was the first study that's been done in teenagers. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think, unfortunately, uh, studies in youth is, are limited, particularly with, um, with natural options. So this is a really good quality study, which confirmed that uh, saffron was positive. Yeah, was, so, yeah. yeah. So I was just going to say, just up until my last count, there's now over 20 studies looking at saffron and its, its mood-related impact. Um, now it's just amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic, and the really compelling research that you've you've been able to do there, and fantastic to be producing that in teenagers as well. And so, it's probably in talking about using it in youth, and I guess for everyone, it's really important to know that. These are safe to use. They don't have any side effects, which may come from other conventional medications. And also safe to use if someone is on antidepressants already or on any other kind of medications already, isn't it? Yeah, there's been a couple of studies with uh, with saffron as an add-on. Um, uh, but more looking at a component in saffron, there was one that looked at crocin, which is a component in saffron. And that uh, has actually shown that the, um, the combined, you know, taking an antidepressant plus the crocin together... Uh, had a, a greater effect than having the antidepressant on its own. And I'm uh, uh, just about to start a study now, uh, quite a uh, good uh, size study looking at um, saffron as an add-on to antidepressants. So half the people will, who are on, um, so I'll um, will be recruiting adults with depression who are uh, on antidepressants, but their depressive symptoms aren't totally gone. And, uh, and they will then be given either saffron uh, for eight weeks or a placebo for eight weeks and we're going to see whether um, adding saffron um, to their, their treatment will have uh, will improve their um, their outcomes but um, up until and those results won't be out till till later next year but um, but I think if somebody wants to try it I think saffron is, is a, a good option for people to try even if they're on um, medication the issue with saffron is that uh, quality is an issue, um, and uh, and because saffron is so expensive, uh, it is subject to adulteration. So uh, quality can vary significantly. Uh, so I really encourage people to uh, to use a saffron extract that has been tested for potency and purity. And, and again, you know, we've used a saffron extract known as Afron, um, and that one. Uh, is a uh, one that's um, grown in in Spain and uh, and you know, high quality saffron extract. 
Uh, and the other thing I just wanted to mention is that people do freak out when I say saffron because it's so expensive. The good thing is that a tiny, a tiny amount is needed, so it makes it very cost-effective for people. That's perfect. I was going to say, I think you're looking at, it's like 90 milligrams that you're using of the Afron, um, saffron per day, I think, isn't it? Something yeah, people sense? get, I mean, I suppose the issue here is, you know, people get a bit confused because in Australia, you know, we're using the kind of extract equivalent, which is 90 grams, but, uh, and, but if you see studies, uh, you know, that I've done, or, you know, it's 15 milligrams that I'm kind of citing in there, um, but be aware that they're the same. Yeah, it's just the conversion rate because of the, that actual extract is the, as you say, the dried herb equivalent of it, but then you can boil it down to how much you're actually delivering of that of yeah. that extract. That's thanks for clarifying that. So safe to be using alongside your antidepressants or your sedative medications. I probably should just clarify that if you're taking certain other med- other medications, like maybe for your cardiovascular health, that you may see some interactions there. Um, so making sure you're checking that with your practitioner. But as you're saying, making sure you're getting these ingredients because both turmeric and saffron and have you want to be getting making sure you're getting high quality ingredients and getting that from a prescribing practitioner and not just picking up any saffron or any turmeric formulation could you necessarily expect to receive benefits from but making sure you're using a good quality um, validated ingredients from um, your prescribing practitioner should be able to help with that absolutely now that's fantastic in terms of giving us a really good understanding about turmeric's role in working with these inflammation oxidative stress cortisol the mitochondrial dysfunction the neuroprogression defects and neurotransmitter imbalances and so thank you very much for for clarifying that i'd probably like to step into the next part which is talking about other ingredients that you've found that can also be working functionally with that and any other I guess, any other interventions that you like to use. I understand you've also been doing other studies with other herbs and are there other nutritional ingredients or other herbal ingredients that you like to use to address those core defects that could be driving mood disorders? Yeah, look, I mean, there's there's, there's lots out there um, and, you know, I'm... Um, uh, yeah, I use a kind of a, a small kind of selection of, of um, supplements that I, I recommend, and it's more kind of your evidence-based um, supplements that are out there. But I'm aware that there's a lot of t- traditionally based uh, herbs and um, and ingredients that have, that have people use, and I know that they're available um, through Metagenics. But um, uh, you know, I suppose one thing, my kind of core side of things is as a general rule I'll recommend a, a good quality fish oil supplement so uh, your omega-3s uh, have a really positive effect on, on brain function and seem to have a, a good effect on mood so I'd uh, recommend a good quality fish oil supplement generally one will higher in EPA concentrations that seems to kind of have a, a better mood enhancing effect um, the other one would be a, a B complex B vitamins is extremely um, important for production of neurotransmitters and, and other hormones. So I'll, try, I'll recommend a, a, B, a quality B complex. Um, and the other one that I've started kind of adding to um, to my core is even your probiotics, um, which sounds a bit weird for a lot of people, but uh, the the brain gut connection uh, uh, is uh, is increasing research showing that the importance of uh, the brain affecting the gut, but also the gut affecting the brain and, uh, and how our gut can have a, an impact on, on, again, inflammation and neurotransmitter production and all those things. So 
Um, and there's now a good body of research showing that uh, probiotics can have a, uh, a mood-enhancing effect uh, for people. So fish oils, B-complex probiotics is you know, kind of your core stuff um, that I look at. And, and the other one that I, I regularly use is, is the magnesium too because uh, you know, magnesium can have a really um, positive effect on, on, on mood. And many people with depression and anxiety have those levels of magnesium so I'd recommend a good magnesium supplement with a, and generally kind of your, your, your powdered forms are better because you can deliver more and a, a good again a good bioavailable form of magnesium and all of those it's just, I'm just looking at your list there and all of those interestingly are working on those those core defects that we were talking about in terms yeah. of the, the, the functional drivers and I guess that's the benefit of when you're working from a functional approach it's it's all working collectively across all of that which is why you start to see the benefits there. So a fish oil, B vitamins, probiotics and, and some magnesium tend to be something that you're considering alongside your turmeric and your saffron and I guess just choosing what's appropriate for the individual and then as we were talking about in the previous episode looking at what lifestyle and dietary aspects can go in there to also provide additional support there as well. Yeah, yeah. And you, you obviously your other supplements depending and they are very individualised depending on on the on the person, so obviously, you know, if you measure their iron levels and they need iron, then you, you recommend an iron supplement. Vitamin D is another one um, that, uh, again, uh, you know, you, you want to make sure there's good iron levels. I mean, um, vitamin D levels going on. So certainly measuring vitamin D and, and supplementing accordingly. Nice. That provides us with a nice list about why it's important to be you know, covering our bases nutritionally and how these herbal interventions can be working on those those core defects, uh, which I think gives a really nice rounded approach and I can start to see how you're getting such fantastic benefits with what you're doing, Adrian. With You're applying this from a functional perspective on the physiology of what's happening in our body and then making sure that how we're living and supporting ourselves in our, our lifestyle and our diet, as we discussed in the previous episode, also helps to create a, a collaboration with that treatment and to produce even better effects. Um, anything else that you wanted to explain in terms of the the physiological links on the drivers of, of mood disorders there? No, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the supplements, you know, I've recommended in this segment we talked about supplements and, and, and we need to be aware that that's what they are, that they're supplements, they're not replacements. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, again, I'm going to harp on that on that integrative approach. It's, it's not just about taking a whole bunch of tablets, you know, um, and many people will go, well, you know, they're natural, and they are, but you're not treating the cause you know, for, necessarily for a lot of people. Um, yeah, there are genetic factors, so many um, people may need to supplement because of kind of polymorphisms associated with the genes, but, um, but remember, you know, it's supplements plus what else are you doing uh, to help improve your mood. Don't expect there uh, to be a magic pill because it doesn't exist. That is such an important point. I think that's really relevant in terms of, it's often called that green pharmacy where, people, you know, as we know, where people may try and just substitute a supplement in for a medication. And I think turmeric might be an example of this where some people may say, well, I've got um, some depression or anxiety. I hear turmeric is beneficial and might just try and take that and won't address all the other factors that could be driving those underlying driving factors for the mood disorder or won't be addressing the diet and the lifestyle factors that we've previously talked about and I think it's really important that you bring it back to that about saying you know these are tools that can help us get there but ultimately it's about 
dealing with that underlying driving factor of why are you as an individual presenting with depression or anxiety or what it, whatever your symptoms may be and seeing a qualified integrative practitioner that can help identify that in you and support that for how you move forward to, to get to where you need to be. Terrific, yes, exactly. I think that sums it up perfectly and is a great place to leave it. So thank you so much for your time again, Adrian. Um, thank you for doing the research that you're doing to, to demonstrate how these ingredients are beneficial and uh, for piecing this together and so well and articulating it to why it is so important for us to be working holistically and from an integrated model and how we can achieve better results through that um, for, for mood disorders. So thank you very much. No problem. Thanks, Lawrence, for having me. Thanks for listening to Your Health Guide. Any resources or links discussed in the episode can be found at metagenics.com.au. To help you continue on your health journey, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you found this episode useful, please rate and review us. If you have any questions about how this information could relate to your health condition, please go and speak to your natural healthcare practitioner who can provide you with specific advice for your health needs.